Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for April 26th, 2020, uh, the third Sunday of Easter. And we are coming to you not live from Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. Uh, and Bruce, not from Holy Family Episcopal Church. <laughs> and that's a good point. <laughs> from our homes near Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. Bruce, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thank you. How about you? I am in PJs. Uh, I, one thing that this uh, this whole thing has taught me is that my work wardrobe needs to change. Uh, this, <laughs> what I am wearing now needs to be an everyday thing. This is fantastic. Well, I'm thinking that you know, looking at our online worship videos, you're, except for Easter in a t-shirt, how much lower can you go? <laughs> Oh, there's a level. <laughs> no, I'm sure a, there is. <laughs> we won't. We won't. We won't get into it a lot. It's just uh, let's let's just say that that I still doll myself up for those videos. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, although although to be completely fair to myself, uh, there are Sundays that you will see me attend service in that same t-shirt oh yeah yeah so and as many people at holy family do uh -huh. i mean both see you and attend in t-shirts yeah it's not like i'm yeah. asking for a coat and tie here that's true that's true uh, we're very much a come as you are and uh that is a that is my natural dress-up state <laughs> <laughs> which is what you wish you could wear to the law firm exactly oh my goodness okay. I, I have actually done it uh, uh these past couple of weeks i go in on on friday uh, to do a deposit, and uh, I, I have not been doing the standard dress codes. Uh, <laughs> so I show up and, <laughs> and unkempt hair and this bushy beard, this Corona beard that I've grown out, and uh, and uh, uh, jeans and a t-shirt, and everyone's kind of like, oh, hey. <laughs> I've got a couple of looks uh, that, uh, that, that are, that imply that, a few people are worried about my well-being, um, <laughs> little knowing that like I'm fully in my element now. Yeah, <laughs> this is, yeah. I am this is not degradation. This is natural. <laughs> I am super relaxed at this point. This is fantastic. <laughs> uh, well, uh, uh, let's uh, let's let's move on. Enough about me and my yeah. uh, my my dressing habits. Uh, let's move on to our word of the day or word of the week, uh, and this word is. Uh, Koinonia. Koinonia? Koinonia. I will spell it for you. How about this? It is K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A. Yeah, I think that's more Koinonia. Anyway, I will try to pronounce it now that it's already started. No, 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 no. You started. You already started. Koinonia, I think, is how it's at least pronounced by English speakers. Uh, well, yeah, I was gonna say I don't, I don't really. It's not a, it is not really a, an English-based word. So no, it's Greek. Uh, I could, uh, yes, I, I, I could have it wrong. Uh, how about you uh, uh, say one more time the pronunciation uh, on Koin your end? Koinonia. Koinonia. Okay. Without the stutter, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what is what is koinonia? Is is this um, the Christ's return to the earth word? It is not. Okay. Then does it have something to do with a Christian community? It does. Okay. I'll go with that. 
<laughs> yes, uh, uh, on guest number two, uh, the, the common life and fellowship of love shared by Christians with Christ and with each other in Christ, it is a Greek term for communion or participation. Uh, and then there's a whole list of, 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 of examples, but uh, there's a rich theology of it uh, found in the Pauline letters and elsewhere in, in the New Testament. Um, and then they go through, uh, the dictionary goes through a, a number of, uh, of references to um, um, koinonia uh, examples in the New Testament. But yeah, a term, Greek term for communion or participation. Yeah, and probably the most famous example uh, is the very brief description in the book of Acts of the earliest followers of Christ sharing all things in common. And... Um, you know, living in a, a very, a community full of sharing and no private property and all that stuff. Yes, uh, uh, ironically, and this is one of the reasons why I chose it, uh, ironically, the Acts uh, reading that you are, a brief description that you are describing, literally is the next verse in after today's first reading. Um, yeah. So we, we stopped sh just short of a reference to Koinonia uh, uh, in, uh, in today's first reading in Acts. Um, <clears throat> so I thought that was kind of ironic. Uh, that, uh, that, um, or appropriate. Or, or appropriate. Uh, well, I, it's more, it, it's, it's uh, it, it, a blessing uh, that, that to, to, to find because, as people know, that I go through the alphabet looking for uh, words in this dictionary, and this week is a K. Uh, word was to be a K word. I exhausted the good K word last <laughs> last, uh, uh, last time we went through the alphabet, uh, and so this was the only other one that was uh, that was left. And when I started reading it, it was a it was a it was a find to be sure. It was not planned. And thank goodness for the find. That's right. That's right. So um, let's uh. Let's move on to our first reading and uh, stop short of, of, of uh, hearing the, uh, uh, the verse that, <laughs> that references to no, it. Um, we will we will hear it next week. Oh, will we? Okay. Yeah. Ooh, so a hook. I like it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so stay good, tuned. Exactly right. <laughs> a good hook. I like I like a good hook. Um, so our first reading, uh, as has been uh, since the last. Is it, did it start on Easter Sunday, or was it just yeah, the, so, yeah? It okay. started on Easter Day. Uh, as with uh, as as the entire season of uh, of Easter, we'll, our, our first reading is not an Old Testament reading; it is a New Testament reading, and from the Book of Acts. Uh, this week, it's chapter two, verse fourteen a, and then thirty six through forty one. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Therefore, let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized, 
and that day about 3,000 persons were added. Um, so uh, again, we have this intro uh, that kind of uh, sets the stage, and then we skip a little bit. Uh, and I can't remember actually. Let me click on it real, real quick to go back. Yeah, this is a continuation yeah. of last week's speech. Yeah. So uh, so same same intro uh, as last week, mm -hmm. uh, just to give us kind of the flavor of uh, who's talking and where, and then uh, back into the same the same kind of speech. This one is is uh, focusing on on baptism uh, and and is a fa fairly familiar um, reference for a lot of uh, Christianity uh, that is built around baptism. Um, I, I think this is a this is referenced a, a fair amount, um, especially I should say um, the reference in verse forty. I think is used every generation. Um, <laughs> yes. Ever since, uh, save yourself from this corrupt generation, uh, and and it, it every generation ever since then has been the one being referenced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this and this generation is no different, right? This is the this is the corrupt generation that, that Peter. Was we talking. all are. Yeah. <laughs> um. But uh. But but so again, it, help us. Help set the stage a little bit more broadly. I mean, we, we already we, we, we start off. We know that Peter is standing with the eleven, uh, so it's Peter who's talking. But other than that, uh, just in case we lost it from last Sunday, what's the bigger picture of what's going on? So Peter and the eleven are there, but who are they talking to, and what's what, what's happening here in the Book of Acts? Yeah, as we talked about last week, it's Peter addressing the crowd that gathered around the apostles and disciples on the day of Pentecost and heard that great miracle of them speaking in various foreign languages. And, you know, so the crowd was drawn in by that. And now, to be very crass, Peter's closing the sale. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yep. As to what does this mean? How is, does this affect your life? Well, be baptized. Um, what about... Um... What 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 about the the, the baptism here? Uh, because it, it hasn't always been the sales pitch in in some of the in, in some readings uh, of the of the New Testament. It hasn't. A lot of times it was uh, you know uh, believe and uh, more yeah. words around like believe or go forth and, and, and share your love or um, why why. Uh, why? Why the focus on on baptism? Uh, what's what's the, the the meaning of baptism in this in this period of time? Because I think I, I, I kind of get the feeling like the meaning of baptism has changed as it's been the more uh, widely adopted practice of the church. Yes, that's true. And in the words when Jesus was walking the earth before his crucifixion, his words were not "go and be baptized," and they weren't even believe, they were instead follow. That, that was his key verb throughout the Gospels. And so in Acts, this is after Jesus has been resurrected. This is after Jesus, after the resurrection has uh, ascended into heaven and so is no longer having the um, resurrection appearances that we hear about in, the ver in all four Gospels. And so the next step then for the earliest followers of Christ were to start sharing this new form of baptism because 
baptism had been very evident and present in all sorts of different Mediterranean religions in various forms. Mm -hmm. We have that in John the Baptist, the very beginning of the Gospels. But this is something different. This is a baptism that you only do once. The others were totally repeatable whenever you needed a clean wash of spirituality. Uh, but this is a one-time thing, and this marks how the church was going to go forward. It marks how people were going to commit themselves to following Christ. It would be by baptism. And it wouldn't be a huge leap for the folks who were first hearing this call to be baptized. Like, okay, yeah, a lot of people are doing that. Within Judaism, it's happening. Okay, yeah, we'll be baptized. It wasn't like it was something like, whoa, baptism, what's that? They would have right. had a, a very strong sense of its significance. So do you think this was more of a, 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 a adoption of an existing practice that would be relatable to them so that they, there could be... I mean, we, you and I have talked before about how baptism is, is an outward sign of an inward change. Uh, is, is this them just kind of appropriating something that would have existed in their life and, and made it more meaningful uh, uh, for, for well, connective reasons? Or the, the terminology that I've, used, that I've heard before and so I've used is rather than adopting or appropriating, it's uh, adapting. So mm. it takes a practice that people were very familiar with, happened all the time, and shifted both how it happened and what it meant. Uh, so yeah, it was much more approachable because it was something that folks were already familiar with as in as terms of how it looked, but the meaning was something that went deeper. And Jesus did this repeatedly um, through his ministry and in the book of Acts, which is the, the ministries of the first followers of Jesus after the resurrection, they, they continue the same technique of taking something that's familiar and adapting it to new theology, new meaning. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, do, do you have, do you have a, a, an example of, a, of one of the other things that uh, Jesus did in his ministry? Yeah, um, the Eucharist. Oh, the, okay. the Last Supper was a Passover meal, and he adapted it to being this, now for Christians like Episcopalians anyway, ideally, a weekly meal. Uh, mm -hmm. We can't do it right now because of um, the isolation we have to carry out to be faithful and loving to our neighbors. But that's one of those things that Jesus adapted and caught on ex immediately with the uh, earliest, earliest Christians. We know that from the letters of Paul. Interesting. I, I guess I never really realized that that was necessarily something that uh, I, I guess uh, i guess so i just never thought about yeah that, that being adapted to um yeah so the, right. the first jewish christians would have gone oh yeah okay we know what this is for the greeks it might have been a little odder um and mm. people of the roman culture like, huh. but the idea of having a shared meal as a part of worship was extremely common across cultures and so that part wouldn't have been so odd but um it would have taken a little bit of explanation to explain why bread, why, why wine? What's the, what are the significance of these elements? Yeah. And they come from the Passover. Interesting. Yeah. Um, anything, I mean, it, we're, we're going to hear from this book, this chapter, yeah. uh, uh, 
again next week. But is there anything else, uh, hidden nuggets in this uh, in this reading, uh, you would like to point out before we move on? Yeah, as if you do sit down and and read the Book of Acts, which I always recommend when we do these podcasts, read the book, whatever it is we're going through. One of the things that the author of Acts, who's also the author of the Gospel of Luke, does is signifies the punchline is coming by interrupting the speech. So we have that in chapter 2, verse 37, which reads, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And so this interrupts the speech, and then comes the punchline 38, where Peter has the repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, so it's like, whenever you see that interruption of a speech, and not just by Peter, but by the various um, speech makers in the book of Acts, when you see that interruption, pay attention especially to the following sentences, because those are going to be the summary and the meat of what that person's talking about. Huh. That's Isn't an interesting, that interesting? style. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting. I'll have to. Um, <clears throat> well, we're going to hear it for here, uh, from, yeah. from the Book of Luke uh, uh, for a couple of weeks. I'll have to keep a. Or Book of keep, Acts, yeah. Well, you said it was the same author as Luke, right? Yeah, but this takes place in the Book of Acts, this interruption and then point. Oh, 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 oh. I thought you were saying that the, the, the style choice uh, is mirrored in both books. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Well, I'll have to still keep an eye out for it then in the book of Acts. We'll yeah. read from that book, too, for, for the next couple of weeks. But I'll have to, I'll have to keep an eye out for, for that style. That's an interesting style. Uh, Isn't it, though? And a very uh, good literary technique. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a call and response. It's a question asked, yeah. question answered um, uh, kind, of a, kind of a style. It'd be, it'd be really easy to take, uh, take notes on. Yeah, this, it's like this question. Well, this question thing will be on the final quiz, brothers. What yes. should we do? Answer, repeat, <laughs> or repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> I know this one. I studied for this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, well, let's move on then to the first book uh, of Peter. Again, we're continuing from last week. Yep. First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 17 through 23. If you invoke as father the one who judges all people impartially according to their deeds, live in reverent fear during the time of your exile. You know that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb, without defect or blemish. He was destined for the before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the ages for your sake. Through him you have come to trust in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are set on God. Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, so that you have genuine mutual love, love one another deeply from the heart, you have been born anew, not of perishable, but of imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God. Um, this is this language here is um, in a way juxtaposed with uh, the, the language of uh, Acts and, and Luke, which are a little bit more story 
bass. Mm-hmm. And there's some speeches that are going on. This one is like uh, has has like poetry written all over it, um, right? And um, I keep getting. I, I got struck as I read it. Uh, Live in reverent fear during the time of your exile. I was trying to, in my mind immediately trying to figure out what reverent fear would look like. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, well, that's, that's one of the things to keep in mind is the the word fear, as found in English, often translated as fear. Um, in English translations of the Bible, also can mean like the very deepest respect. Mm. Okay. Uh, and for and when the. For, King James and other very early English translations were created, the term fear did not have simply the meaning we have today of you're scared of something. Instead, it was more to do with deep respect of don't touch that fire, it's hot. Um, I fear the king, but that means I respect the king and love the king too. So, unfortunately, because that term became so embedded in so many Christians in a sense translators have not had the nerve to not translate it as fear since even though it's supposed to be much more nuanced than our current um, contemporary English language use of the term fear that, that that's a that's a very interesting point because uh, yeah it does it, that that word does have a different meaning it it, it and, and to, to our, our common ears, at least, um, and being afraid of the father um, does kind of feel like, oh, wait, wait, I didn't think that was the point. Yeah. But to, to cower and uh, uh, tremble, uh, but, but the, your, your point is, is, is well taken in that, that, you know, no, the, the, the concept is respecting and acknowledging power and authority and, and having a respect for that. Um, yeah. It does kind of color it in a different way. Um, but I guess that's how translation works <laughs> sometimes. Right. Is that, yeah, that, that often the, get, col- it, it, the, yeah, the tradition of translation deeply influences future translations. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, what about because a lot of it, it 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 does feel as though what what the author is talking about is is uh, um, all of these words do kind of build up this this uh, this sense of um, awe and power uh, that that uh, that we're respecting of the father. Um, it's not. Uh, um, not, not from perishable things uh, were we ransomed <laughs> from this world, uh, but with uh, the precious blood of, of Christ, um, re- uh, going to be revealed at the end of ages for your sake. I mean, these are these are like uh, big. Uh, ah, gotcha. Kind of, no, okay, yes, go reread verse uh, twenty. It's not will be, it's was. Ah, uh, I got yes. Was revealed. Okay. I mean, yeah. 
talk about that because was Isn't revealed at the end. Was revealed at the end of ages. Of the yeah. ages for your sake. So the end of ages has already happened. Yep. Okay. Yeah. This Say is more. a this <laughs> is a place in scripture where the the pivot of the world has already taken place. It's in direct contrast to, say, the book of Revelation, where it's future-oriented mm -hmm. and reflects the theology that was very, very strong. Maybe even, the, well, it was. The strongest theology in the early church was that the resurrection was that what we now call second coming that uh, Jesus had was predicting while he was walking the earth. Mm. Um, and it was only later on in Christian theology, in part because the world didn't get perfect, that theologians and everyday people started to talk about and believe that the second coming of Christ is something that's still in the future. So, and, and Peter is admitted, the letter of Peter is admittedly one of the later writings in the Bible. So he's, again, we don't think it was written by the Apostle Peter, but he's writing to a group of non-Jews, to Gentiles, that the world changed when Jesus was resurrected. Everything's different now. And so he's writing to an audience that, in theory, hasn't heard about this at all in the past, or at least has only heard little pieces of it. So it's... Um, an example of how there's more than one way to look at how Christ comes again and still be faithful to Scripture. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. That, that, yeah, that, that, it, it's, it's interesting to think about how that does formulate over time. Because you're right um, that, the, that, by and large, the feeling is still that the second coming is still to come and yeah very I, strong I, in american christianity yeah but not universally not all over the world <clears throat> well that's an interesting interesting a very interesting point to say that the the second coming was actually his resurrection I yeah think. so so um are we falsely awaiting a third coming uh or um uh, is is where where does that second coming um um, reference originate from is that is that from Christ himself when he says that he would return yeah. Remember, yeah, okay. yeah I mean they're the the passages in the Gospels where Jesus talks about his return in power and glory um, mm -hmm. and you know so it depends what just I don't want to sound flip but it depends on what your definition of power and glory is and for a lot of Christians walking out of the tomb, so to speak, wasn't powerful and glorious enough. And so they think that can't be it. You know, yeah. where's, where's the Armageddon? Where's the massive battle that Revelation talks about? Um, which I think, and most Episcopalians think, is poetic imagery about the Roman Empire. Uh, so it, it's one of these things where I think because we can't help but interpret scripture through our own presumptions. It's hard for a lot of people to see the resurrection as, as even a possibility of what Christ was talking about of him coming in power and glory.
at the end of the ages. I kind of wonder if um, enough of we have perpetually wanted uh, uh, the downfall of the um, existing uh, uh, structure, like power structure, the government structure, to fall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got a visitor on your other side there. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's that, that's one of the beauties of uh, recording this from uh, from home. Uh, this is the very human experience of, of uh, getting interrupted. You get interrupted by something super cute, and I get interrupted, yeah. interrupted by a cat who wants me to feed it. <laughs> that's right. Well, at least you don't have the cat stepping on your keyboard. <laughs> that happens to so many people. Yes. <laughs> yes. I haven't had that happen yet. Um, but one of the things that I'm struck by is that uh, uh, we have always uh, wanted, like I said, the, this power structure to dissolve and, and thought that uh, even, even as, you know, the Gospels began, this, a lot of the story was that the Messiah would mm -hmm. come and establish this new kingdom, which implied overthrowing. And it feels like <clears throat> that's still what we want to have happen. Yeah. Like the imagery of the second coming uh, is it comes part and parcel with the downfall of human uh, power structures. Uh, and, and so I, maybe, maybe we're just not going to be satisfied until that happens. <laughs> yeah. And, there's there's a huge challenge that and much larger than a lot of Christians want to contemplate a huge challenge to our ethical behavior if we take seriously the possibility that Jesus's resurrection was the second coming that means we're supposed to be living like we're in heaven right now and I don't mean in terms of streets lined with gold but rather living with a huge amount of generosity and love and patience and forgiveness. Uh, we're, you know, to oversimplify it, we're supposed to be living as if we're angels. And unfortunately, as we just have to look at any headline, humans are not doing that. And so rather than say to ourselves, oh, you know, we humans are really messing up, we instead say, oh, God hasn't fixed it yet. And therefore, we just keep waiting. But really, if we take seriously the possibility, just the possibility that the second coming was the resurrection, then that means we're not living up to what Jesus has enabled us to become. Well, obviously, that can't be because uh, I live up to all expectations. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, <no>. um, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's uh, a <clears throat> well. How how very human of us to uh, not be comfortable with that thought, and uh, therefore then put it back on our God and say like, oh no, he's still there's 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 still another step. It's not we, yeah. don't, we don't have to we don't have to do all that stuff that we're we're told we have to do yet because it hasn't happened yet. We haven't gotten the sign, and yeah. uh, I'll be I'll be a better person once it once it once once he does. Yeah, at the first <laughs> peal of of. Heavenly thunder, I'll get better. Right, right. Now, then I'll kick it into angel mode. Uh, yeah. But I just, right now, I just can't. I just can't right now. It's just too impractical. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, uh, considering how much uh, 
Christ's whole thing was uh, uh, subverting expectations. <laughs> um, uh, I think maybe per perhaps that there, there might be a lot more um, uh, truth to the second coming being his, his resurrection. Uh, that would be uh, that, that would be a little bit more on brand, I think. <laughs> for, for, yes, for for him, and it's still a pretty daggone spectacular event. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, I don't know, I, I don't know what it is that we want as humanity if that's not good enough. Um, but uh, you know, hey, it's something to debate. I, 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 I yeah. Yeah, and you know the big the the bottom line was what Jesus said about such things was no one knows the, the time or the day, and so I think that means we also keep the possibility open that it that the resurrection was the big time and day, mm -hmm. and we need to respond appropriately even now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's uh let's move on to Luke. Uh, we have a fairly long reading here from Luke. It's chapter 24, verse 13 through 35. Now on the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you, were, while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad, then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find the body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to where they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is near, now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning with us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem and they found the, the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord is risen indeed and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been known to them in the breaking of bread. Um, so this um, this story is is this how many how many gospels is this found in? Is this only is this, Luke? 
Is it only Luke? Okay. Yeah. Um, I it, it is kind of funny that he walks along. He goes like seven miles. Uh, no, I, I suppose that's not true. They're, they're going. They were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Uh, and somewhere along the line, they come across him, and they go a, presumably a good chunk of that seven miles with Jesus explaining to them scriptures, and it isn't until they sit down with him that they finally recognize uh, uh, who, who it is. It makes me wonder, honestly, if, um, uh, <laughs> and, and keep in mind, this is me wondering, if this is editorialized, the, the part talking about um, their eyes were kept from recognizing him, and then their eyes were opened uh, to avoid... Um, Showing how dumb they might be. <laughs> I don't know. We 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 were struck struck by a cloud of a, a fog, a haze, and something miraculous happened that we couldn't recognize recognize Jesus at all. And it wasn't our fault that he explained the entire scriptures to us, and we didn't recognize who it was. <laughs> yeah, this this is one of the the. I was going to say this is one of the oddest resurrection appearances in the four gospels. All of them are a little odd, so it, it it's a tight race. Well, they're but, all supernatural, so yeah, they all yeah, have a, a flair yeah, to them. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. They all have a flair to it. And it really is hard to, if not impossible, to imagine what it was really like for any of the resurrection appearances. Mm -hmm. There's ambiguity about um how physical Jesus was at what point and that sort of thing. But I, I think, well, not just me, but with Luke, this resurrection appearance, and this is the longest one in the Gospel of Luke, um, so it's the key one, and it's the first one in Luke where Jesus appears. Prior to this, at the empty tomb, there were only angels there. It's a... a, a t it's what Luke wants us to be able to step ourselves into. And it's a wonderful metaphor for a typical Christian life where we are learning stuff, we're trying to make sense of how God works, but it doesn't really make sense until we have an encounter with the Christ. And in this particular passage, uh, it, it takes place at the Eucharist where Jesus breaks the bread and that's um, when their eyes were open um, when he was at table with them he took bread blessed broke it gave it to them and then their eyes were opened and so that's in a sense to give us hope as Christians today that every single day we're not going to automatically wake up and and see Christ but we have a holy and reasonable hope that we will get to experience Christ on a regular basis, and at the very minimum, whenever we receive the Eucharist. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I should I should clarify uh, um, to give Cleopas credit. As as funny as it is that I think uh, uh, editorializing uh, it strikes my brain as funny. Uh, the the other um, the other you're right. The other gospel stories uh, about uh, resurrection. Um, no one. It, it, that's a 
very, a very common theme. Everybody mistakes this in, in, initial encounter. Like, like they, they don't realize it until the very end of the story. But they all mistake who uh, uh, Jesus is, save the exception uh, of, of Jesus appearing in the room with the disciples. But um, then we get the, the Doubting Thomas story out of that. Right, yeah, we get the Doubting Thomas story out of it. Uh, but only there is 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 it uh, is is that element I think either withheld, withdrawn, or non-existent uh, that they mistook Christ for someone else or didn't recognize who he was at first. Um, all the other stories have that. Uh, Mary thought it was the gardener. Um, you know, th this story their their eyes were kind of. Uh, uh, close to it like there there's always is kind of this shroud and maybe it's just our our, our humanity playing out through these characters of um, could, our brain couldn't possibly apply this is christ because that's not possible you know what i mean yeah. um but well, um, it, but there there's it, always that element to these stories and, and even in the john story that you referenced they uh, i'm looking at it now it says in chapter 20 verse 20 um, Jesus in 19 says peace be with you when he had said this he showed them his hands and his side then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord that for a couple of verses there they they really didn't know what this that's, was that's true that's true I'm giving more credence to my theory that yeah. they editorialized that story and left out the near heart attacks right uh, <laughs> given to them um because they didn't know who had just appeared, uh, uh, and they had been fearing the Romans uh, ever since uh, right. just moving, in fact, actually before crucifixion. Um, so, uh, but uh, I'm also struck by this story also only identifies one of the two. So yes. just like, uh, um, who was it, Peter running to the tomb with mm -hmm. the other one who was faster than him? Um, right. And maybe that's the reason why they didn't want to name him. He, he's salty about someone being <laughs> running, running faster. He's more fit than me. I'm not talking about that guy. Um, <laughs> I think that's one reason Peter's identified as an old man in uh, traditional art. <laughs> it couldn't possibly be young. The other one, he, the other one didn't even get a name. He's fast. Yeah. Um, but uh, this story also has two of them. We're going to a village called Emmaus, but we only get the identity of Cleopas. Mm -hmm. Um, Anything about that? Like, uh, oh yeah, I mean, there's uh, only there's only two. It doesn't take much effort to to comment as to who the other is. I I think what's most likely is that this was again a very intentional, um, not put it there, <laughs> mm -hmm. so that we everyone who reads or hears the story can enter into it. That gotcha. bends the other person. Uh, but there are also some other very fascinating possibilities. There's a lot of scholarship now um, that it's quite possible that the person's not named because it was a woman. And that, that, that early on uh, the woman was named, and then as the church became more sexist, the name was dropped. And I part do of. enjoy a good conspiracy theory, that is. Yeah! <laughs> but part, part of the. Reasoning is that um, the dis the description of the two walking together is very very commonly in that time, just like today, would be a husband and wife. Mm 
mm-hmm. you know, traveling together. You know, went went to Jerusalem for Passover. Um, the certainly that would not have been something that men did alone. It was something they would, at the very least, take their wives with them, if not their entire family. So uh, it's not at all unlikely that the other person was female. Uh, we don't know if they're a married couple or not. Uh, but again, I think it's mostly so that can be a, a, any person filling those footsteps. Yeah, I like that. I, I like that uh, style. Uh, and, and, and you do kind of feel that way, I think, as you, or at least I do, as I, as I read, although in my brain, I'm super frustrated as you, as, you know, the story goes on, you're like, it's Jesus for, you know, <laughs> realize it, Cleopas, come on. Um, Wake up. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, and I also do, I, I love uh, Christ's reaction uh, um, to explain, like, he's even in verse 25 and 26, um, this is as they're on the road, nowhere near getting down to the table. He's even chastising them, which it would be a little weird for somebody you meet on a public road yeah. <laughs> uh, to just to just be chastised and then told what the scriptures mean. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it, it's interesting because Christ is like, I, I literally actually did explain this before yeah. all this happened. <laughs> I don't know how much more clear. I mean, granted, I could have. I guess I could have been more clear, and I could have uh, sat down and explained it step by step. But I told you this was going to happen, <laughs> and still, no one believes me. <laughs> like, yeah. How do you not remember? I told you that it'd be handed over. How do, how do you not remember that I had said that I would die and that I that I would be raised again? And I even told you this, and and you're still sitting here you know wondering whether or not it's true or hearing rumors and and the kind of the implication from from Cleopas story is you know this may or may not be true how have you not heard about the the rumor that this is going on it kind of has a rumor style to the way yeah. he says it and uh, Jesus finally is just kind of like you're you're being foolish <laughs> <laughs> how how are you so so slow of heart to believe uh, uh, all the prophets that, uh, that have declared this and that this was going to happen. Um, so it's, it's, it is funny though, that, uh, that, that still they finish the seven mile walk and, and then sit down and then finally, Oh, oh, oh it, it, it was Jesus. It was, yeah. Jesus. let's go tell the, let's tell other people. Uh, let's, let's go back to Jerusalem. Well, um, and it, and I think this is reassuring. I hope to people who you know, realize that God has been an important part of their life for years and years, but, but the person didn't realize it for yeah. decades. Yeah. It, it's like, don't worry, even if you had the resurrected Jesus walking with you, explaining it to you, you still may not have gotten it. Right. Yeah. And God still loves you. And I think, yeah, yeah. And I think it's also interesting that the, the, they had set up the situation of, Hey, look, it's getting dark. Why don't you stay with us? Mm-hmm. But once he is revealed to them, they take the seven-mile road back. Yeah. To to uh, to um, tell others what is going on. Um, so this is this is kind of a resolution to Cleopas's doubt, where implied earlier in the story, 
uh, uh, definitely he's so moved with conviction that it's not only like, oh, yeah, oh, it's true. It really is true. Wow, interesting. He <laughs> has to go back. He there has ha yeah. to go tell them, hey, the rumor that you told me where you saw uh, Christ and that he's risen, yeah, it's true. Let me tell you. <laughs> you mm -hmm. would imagine that the disciples would go, I know. I <laughs> The same kind of reaction that Jesus has here in this story, like I told you, I told but, you it happened. Did you? How, why did you doubt me? Why would I lie about this? But when you they go, your own. when they, if we read on a few, a couple more verses, we get to see the narrative of when they do tell the apostles about this road to Emmaus experience. The only person who had seen the actual resurrected Jesus who was among them was Simon Peter. That Jesus still had not appeared to all of the apostles or disciples at that point. I gotta, I gotta see this. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, so in um, verse 34, um, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Mm -hmm. Then the two of them told uh, what told had happened. What had happened. Hmm. Oh, and then so this is how it's structured. So, and then uh, is the story about Jesus appearing to the disciples, right? So, <laughs> so we 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 lectionarily we kind of take these some of these stories out of out of uh, place at least for the book of Luke, right? But uh, the road to Emmaus happens first. Yeah, because the um, story that we had last week with the apostles from John in the upper in the locked room, um, a similar story is what is what then follows after mm. Jesus has appeared to on the road to Emmaus, after Jesus has appeared to Simon, then Jesus appears to the rest of the group, and and um, they still disbelieved. And mm -hmm. It says in two different places in that following story, um, and there and Jesus again explains it all to them, and then that's basically the, and he sends them out, and that's the end of the gospel. Mm. That there's this, there's still right to the very end. This, even the best of the best don't understand it, um, and it takes a active conversation, an active encounter, an active relationship with Christ for it to be real. It's not just an intellectual proposition. Well, it, it, it is a difficult thing to wrestle with. I mean, yeah. uh, um, we, we have the benefit of having 2,000 years to uh, have wrestled with this, yeah. <laughs> this story. And, these, and millions these, of compatriots who've, done, who've wrestled as well. Exactly. So, so we, we've had Two millennia to 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 work on this, where uh, as they as they even as they are writing it, it's only a matter of years, and there would have been a, mm -hmm. still probably a lot of um, um, disparity between. Uh, it explains some of the disparity between the gospels as the which came right. first. Uh, uh, no, no, no. He appeared to me first, and then to you. Don't you? Remember right. <laughs> no. All I remember is him showing up in the room, and I nearly died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we thought, yeah, and Luke, it's, I don't remember it's where they any of that week before that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't remember anything before that. I, I remember, you know, the crucifixion, and then I 
think I went home and then nearly died when he appeared to me as a ghost. And then I, I do remember talking to you, but that had to have been after. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that it does, it does, it is interesting because that is, uh, that that would be an incredibly if you put your, your yourself in the, these people's shoes, it would be incredibly difficult to sit down and write a you know what happened and what does this mean yeah and how did this story how does the story move forward and, and trying to make sense of it uh, it explains some of the reasons why uh, it you know some of these uh, uh, New Testament writings don't appear for many many years because that would be hard to kind of figure out what what happened and what do I want to say about it it's not yeah what are the key things to communicate to keep that will be helpful and not let people get off track right right so it's a it, it's that's it, an interesting perspective to think about uh, um, uh, as we read these uh, anything else from the story that I'm I've glossed over. I know this. This is like chock full of stuff, right? Uh, uh, that we could we could talk about. But anything you want to point out? Because I know I took us down a silly road there first. No, not at all. Um, no, I think that's about it. You know, we'll okay. see what ha comes out in the sermon. So it'll probably be a couple more angles to to experience from me. Excellent. That's, that's on Sunday. Yeah, I don't want to ruin that for you. Yeah. Um, um, Sunday online. Sunday online. Uh, 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 church from a distance, uh, uh, as as uh, as uh, we, we refer to to some of yeah. the content. Um, so, well, with that, yeah, uh, uh, we we hope you enjoy our uh, have enjoyed this podcast, but also uh, hope you join us for Sunday service. It will be on uh, multiple uh, uh, media outlets uh, at this point um, uh, where you can find it, uh, but the video will be released uh, Saturday at 4 p.m. on our YouTube channel, HFEC Videos. It'll also be uh, uh, linked to um, um, on our website. Um, i trying to remember all the different ways that we... we uh, and the, all the Facebook all the Watch Party. The Facebook Watch Party at 9 o'clock on Sunday. Um, uh, so there, there, there will be multiple links uh, to it. Uh, so feel free to visit our website to kind of see what's going on and to get the bulletin ahead of time. Uh, that's hfec.org. Uh, and uh, as always, if you have any questions for us, you can email us at shortcut at hfec.org. Uh, we'd be happy to take your questions. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, the Lord is risen indeed. Uh, Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, so uh, with that, uh, we hope to talk to you next week. Uh, and, and until then, I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.